Big changes are coming to Missouri wine country. While investor David Hoffman has purchased many wineries in Augusta and the surrounding areas, he has the intention to spend over $100 million to create a Napa Valley in Missouri. But one local winery has decided to stay independent. Today, we speak with Angie Geis, co-owner of Noble Ice Vineyard and Beverage in Augusta, Missouri. We speak with Angie on her and her family's decision to keep the business independent, the changes coming to Augusta, and the exciting things shaping up this summer at Noble Ice Vineyards. I'm Noah Brandt, and this is the St. Charles County Correspondent. St. Charles County Correspondent. I am Noah Brandt, here with my co-host Sam Safa. Sam, how are you doing? Noah, I'm doing well. It's beautiful weather. We're coming up on a long weekend, Memorial Day weekend. I am excited I'm excited too, and you know, I hope a lot of people might spend this weekend at a great vineyard in Augusta, Missouri. Maybe Angie Geis' vineyard, who we have here with us. Angie, how are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing great, Noah and Sam. Thanks for having me. Angie, we're so glad that you were able to join us on the podcast today. And the first thing that we want to talk about is your winery. It's pronounced Noble Ice. Is that right? Correct. Very good. Thank you. Can you give us a little background about your winery, your story, and maybe the name of your winery? Absolutely. Um, we are a family-owned winery. We were so- It began with my parents, Bob and Luann Nolan, who purchased the the ground that we're on now, 84 acres, in 2005. And it really began as a dream for my parents. The vision that they had for it really started as a vineyard. And so they, they planted those vineyards in 2005. We have four varieties. And that is really how we began. And as you probably know, with vineyards, it does take several years to really get a full <laughs> to plant the <laughs> grapes right and get the get get, get, get enough to plant yeah. Them. exactly yeah it takes a little bit for those guys to grow and, and really get to full production so there was you know a few years there where we were just watching the the vines grow and we would sell the grapes you know we were kind of local you know grape growers i guess for folks that wineries that needed uh, that needed fruit and things like that. But then in 2009, my parents made the decision to go ahead and build the winery so that we could have our own production. And really before that, I guess they had produced wine, other, another winery had processed our grapes. Mm. And so they really kind of got the bug and they decided to go ahead and, and move forward with plans to have our own on-site winery. And then in 2010, we added a tasting room to the front of that winery and we opened the public. So a lot of people think, you know, that it really began in 2010. That's really when we opened our doors. But 2005 is really when the first plants went into the ground. How cool. Was it a family affair from the beginning? Were your parents kind of spearheading it or were you involved uh, right from the get go? Yes, my parents were spearheading it. It was definitely their vision. Uh, They really for different reasons. My dad is an entrepreneur and just have, he had done so many different businesses throughout his career. So the thought of building something from the ground up 
that was so tangible, mm. really from the earth for him. He says that over and over again. He built companies, a software company, and and that was obviously a wonderful experience. But not for you can't hold software. You can't. <laughs> you hold can't it taste software. <laughs> <laughs> and so he had the experience of building the business and the company, but for him, just to have the land and to have that in the family was really important. And then to be able to really ground something, build something from the literally the ground up in all aspects was very appealing to him. And then my mom is really the heart behind it all. She is all about family and it, what, you know, when it was really just the vineyard, my kids were really little at that time and we would go out and have a picnic. Mm. There was nothing. I mean, there wasn't even water. I think the well, ho- <laughs> the well house came about in that first year and we wow. did maybe have a, but so it was, it was just the land at first and, and developed to where it is today. Angie, can you give us a little view of sort of the wine scene in Augusta and South St. Charles? How many wineries are there? Where do you guys fit in? What does that look like? So we, so in, I'm sorry, just in St. Charles County or in Augusta? Yeah, down in, down in Augusta, down where you guys are. In Augusta. So there are really five wineries in Augusta there. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Augusta AVA, but the Augusta AVA was actually the first AVA founded in the United States. Tell us what that means, Angie. So (laughs) yeah, so AVA, um, it it really, it's a designated grape growing region. And Napa was the second designated. So Augusta was given that designation in 1980 june 20th 1980 actually and about a year later napa was given its designation wow and Take you know, around that, the world, california <laughs> i know it's kind of it's really kind of amazing and a little fact that a lot of people don't know about our little itty bitty grape growing region that really the augusta ava is really about a 12 to 15 mile area but it was named that just because it is such um it is so suitable for growing grapes, actually. So I, I love that's that. why. You, you know, so we're, we're in 2021 now, a, a, a good, so you guys have had a good 10 years of, uh, you know, having a tasting room, growing these great grapes, selling wine. A lot of these wineries in Augusta are right, a lot older than that, decades older. Did, did you feel kind of welcomed into the community? And just what has this first uh, full decade been like? We, I think we have so much respect for those wineries that have been around for decades. And we were part of uh, the Augusta Wine Trail with Montel and Augusta Winery and Balducci. And we, we, we know the owners that, you know, were at Mount Pleasant. And we have so much respect, really, and learned a lot from what they had established and really kept going for so long. Because, as you know, probably Missouri wine was huge actually in the late 1800s and it kind of went through prohibition happened a lot of vineyards got ripped out and there was a rebirth that occurred in the 1960s to 1970s and a lot of the wineries in Augusta not not us the ones that were there way before us were really the pioneers of bringing it back right so I think that you know we were definitely the new guy on the block but I think we brought something new just a little bit fresh outlook on it because we hadn't been around as long, but we worked with the other wineries very well for very many years. That's fantastic. And and you guys consider this first decade a a success, right? You guys have seen, seen growth and and been happy with how it's been turning out. 
Yeah, we do. It's got it's got its ups and downs, just like any business. You know, we've got agriculture, which is affected by weather. You mm. have retail, which is affected by weather, and whether or not the cards get in the playoffs. <laughs> wow! In October, we all laugh out in Augusta that if the cards are in the playoffs, people are, aren't coming to the wineries quite as much. So there's just <laughs> you know, which is which we want the cards to be in the playoffs, of course. So. Um, but it's, it's an interesting business that definitely has its ups and downs, but that is what my family, my sister and I work together too. And that her and I, uh, Chris and I talk about that a lot, just that the many different facets of the business are what keeps us so interested in it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that first decade and that, you know, I, I think it's so interesting what you're saying about how. You know, you, 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 your family owned the land and planted grapes for years before uh, you even had what, what was f- ultimately the idea, right, which is a winery, and that, that forethought and hard work is, has paid off now. Uh, you know, as I said uh, it, during this introduction, David Hoffman, uh, this investor, is uh, spending at least what I consider it O'Fallon, Missouri, a lot of money. Sam, is $100 million a lot of money in Winsville still? Yeah, chump change. Chump change in Winsville. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's spending uh, $100 million, a truly astronomical sum, you know, in Augusta, a town of 300 people in the, in the surrounding areas to make it a national destination to make uh, Missouri not only compete with Napa Valley and when we were designated a wine growing area, but also make it compete as a tourist destination. And uh, one of his big projects is buying a lot of wineries. You know, you say there's five wineries in Augusta. And I think he's bought every single one that's not owned by Angie Geis and her family. So t- tell us, Angie, about your conversations with Mr. Hoffman and his associates. Uh, when did they approach you and, and how did those uh, go down? Uh, well, we started, my family and I, my, my parents and my sister, Chris, and I started talking to David Hoffman in November, I guess it was December and January. January is probably when we really started speaking with him. And um, I have to say he's such a visionary and we really had, we really enjoyed speaking with him and hearing about everything that he is planning and, and he and his wife, Jerry, have quite a vision for the area. When, when you first heard, you, when, when you heard what he was doing, were you surprised? Were you like, you're doing oh, what? We were very surprised because it's a sleep, it's a sleepy town. Um, we had just gone through, you know, our business had just gone through a tough couple of years, partly COVID and then also partly weather related. And we had just, I guess in November of 2019, we had just written a new business plan that we were going to just try to add into the fold to give us, just try to be more innovative and try to really think through what, how we could grow our business. And in light of kind of what we had just come off of, um, and so to, to, to hear somebody come in with so much confidence and so much passion for our area was very refreshing and exciting because we love it. We love Augusta and we love right, everything right. that it's about. And, and we think that there is, we think it's obviously very special. So to hear someone like David Hoffman feel the same way and want to invest so heavily in that was very exciting. And so those conversations that we had with him were, you are in disbelief, but also it, it, it's refreshing. But ultimately, Angie, you were like, look, this just isn't 
this doesn't fit into our business plan. This isn't what we, the direction we want to go into. So you ultimately, I believe, told them no, right? And it was a wonderful exercise for our family to go through. We sat down, the four of us, with our, uh, Chris and I, our husbands as well. And it really allowed us to have some conversations that we may not have had to that degree. And really, it just solidified our desire to keep going and to, to really keep the vision that my parents started. We had just had kind of a, a generational transition to where my parents were taking a little bit of a step back. They still are very much a part of things and, and from a vision standpoint and, um, and know what's going on with everything. But my sister, Chris, and I had really just taking, taken the reins. And so her and I were, of the, we just love working together, to be honest. Uh, it's, That's amazing. She, I mean, we, she's, we kind of bookend our family. So we didn't really grow up together as sisters. So we're oldest, youngest. And so for us, this has been so much fun to just experience together. We're very different, but bring, you know, different things to the table and love working together. And we really love what we think Nobleize is going to become. Yeah. You know, did, did you get to the point with Mr. Hoffman, his associates, where there was like an offer on the table or was it still, was it sort of in the theory yeah. stage and you said, you know what, I don't think we're interested. We did. We did get to that point. Uh, we, we had a couple of different versions and, and ultimately it just, we just, and we kind of had said from the get go, we weren't looking to sell. So we just, I, was, I bet it's harder though, right? It, the idea of not selling to where then you have a number on the table and you're like, you know, we've had, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's always easier to sell, right? It's, it's, it's harder to, to launch new products and innovations and to keep it going and to run a staff. It's, it's easier to sell. So you made the harder choice, I think. I think so. I, th I think what was unique about Nobleize maybe in terms of the other wineries was we did have a succession plan, generationally speaking. And that plan was already in motion. And I would say that really that more than anything is the reason that we decided not to sell. I think having a succession plan in a multi-generational business is, I mean, it, it really is, it either makes or breaks you. And I think in this case for us, it's, it really just came down to that. I, we, we really enjoyed all of our interactions with everyone with Hoffman and, and we still do have we work, you know, we speak with their um, marketing folks, and so um, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. They're moving forward at, at, at a very fast pace. <laughs> Every time I drive out there, there's something new that is either being painted or, or built, so... Well, Angie, thanks for sharing sort of that insight. And I think, you know, we in a, in a second, we can talk about your products and like where you're taking the company. I guess I just had one last question. So, you know, you're one of five that didn't sell. Have you talked to any of the other uh, wineries that, that did sell? I mean, were they in a, just a different place than you were? I mean, what caused 80% of the wineries in Augusta to sell? Um, you know, that, I don't know that I can speak for them. Sure. But I, I, I but that. I think that maybe what what I, maybe my observation would be is that having that succession plan with a family business is, you know, really important. I think um, as far as who that business is going to go to and and when is the right time to sell. And so I think that I'm sure they had a, they each had their own reasons that 
that I don't can't completely speak to, but that would maybe be my observation. As we wrap up this part, Angie was uh, was Mr. Hoffman his associates were they disappointed? He seems like a pretty driven guy. I, I could imagine him uh, would it be being told no, maybe uh, being a little bit disappointed. <laughs> I, I you know I don't I don't know. I think he's got his hands full. I think yeah. that he has so many things going on that. Um, I don't want to assume that we are, we, I think we are a very, very small cog in, in the wheel of what he has planned. So I think that it'll all be, it'll all work out. Well, Angie, thank you for sharing sort of that insight. And maybe we can even come back in, in a year and hear and see what has taken place. I'm, I'm excited for what you guys are building here. And honestly, as I, as I listen to you, I'm really excited to hear a small business embracing what they believe they do best. And I I hope that you can tell us here just what is on the horizon for you. I know in the packet you sent before our conversation, Missouri has four different types of grapes. I didn't know that. I'm not even going to try to pronounce any of them. I yeah, I, we should start a uh, Missouri grapes Wikipedia page. They also have very but French you... Chambourcine. How do you say that Chambersin. one? Chambourcine. Yes, Chambourcine. We we grow four. There, there's several that grow well here. They really the grapes just have to be you know we call it cold hardy. They have to be able to sure. survive the winter, right? So they there are different varieties that that do really well in this area and that can produce pretty amazing wines. And, and I think that that has come a long way in Missouri as far as the quality. And I would say that across the board from all wineries, the quality of wine has come a long way in and the t- last decade. T- tell us about some of the, you know, we want to get into some of the new the new innovations you guys are, are, are launching. But t- tell us before that just about some of the wines you guys have been producing and the sort of, t- I, I think that, you know, I love all type of Missouri wine. I like sweet wine. I like a you know a, a table wine uh, is a, is a big thing around. But I think that there might Missouri wine might have a little bit of a reputation as like it's only super sweet wine. It's not you know very complex flavors. Uh, but that's a pretty uh, outdated notion, right? Well, I yes, I believe it is no, <laughs> but um, I think you're right. It did have it really Missouri did have the reputation for producing sweet wines. And some of that, you know, I don't want to get too far into this, but some of it just honestly has to do with really learning the practices of growing grapes in Missouri and, and producing it. And I think that it's as, a, as an industry, we've come a long way into, you know, and here's an example. If you like an oak Chardonnay, mm-hmm. we, we, have a, we have a couple of wines that would be like an oak Chardonnay, but it really it's a grape called the Dal Blanc which is a white grape and we put it into a barrel and we barrel ferment it and it goes through a secondary fermentation. They call it a malolactic fermentation. And that gives the wine a kind of that oaky, buttery, crisp taste that you would have in an oak Chardonnay. It's not the grape Chardonnay, but the, but the winemaking process is similar to a Chardonnay, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so you're able, you're great. able to, not that we're trying to be California, but just, I'm just using that as an example of how, you know, maybe that Vidal Blanc 20 years ago would have been sweetened, you right, know? And right. so now a, a practice would be to do something with it that is 
a little bit more with the the taste i think of people's palates are very developed today yep and so i think moving with that and, and you 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 want uh products that that can reach everybody right people like exactly. different things and i think that's one of the amazing things about napa valley in california they have a wine for everyone and i think okay. that missouri is uh, is a lot more like that now than folks think uh, you know one really exciting thing that you guys have coming up uh which you, you told us about and excited for you to tell the uh our crew listening about is uh you're launching a canned sangria line which sounds delicious i told my wife about that she said her mouth started watering it sounded so good uh called called swirl tell us about that well we are we are very excited about about this this came from that plan that we that i kind of referenced of how can we expand our business in in different ways? We will always be Nobleized Vineyards. We will always produce wines from our vineyards, and that is the backbone of our of what we love to do. But what else can we explore? You know, in, in the beverage industry or in the in the beverage uh, category, and what can we innovate with? And so we have actually created a sister company where we can basically play around with that notion of. What, what can we produce that is beyond the bottle and beyond just our vineyards? And so Swirl Sangria is the first product of that. And it, our winemaker, Gabe Miller, has been working on it. I would say almost it's been a year and a half to two years of really refining it and, and getting it to a point where we are so proud to put it in a can and, and launch it. And we're launching it on uh, June 4th at Noble Ice. And so my sister and I, Chris and I just, we, we sat down about a year and a half ago and put together a plan of how this can work with the sister company. And, oh, my gosh, what could you do in this mm. with this brand? And and so we've got a lot of ideas. Gabe is busy in his lab. He's already got two other things in the pipeline that we're going to be releasing possibly later this year. Um, and the other thing that's really exciting for me personally from a family perspective is uh, my niece works with us as well. Uh, Chris's daughter is our marketing director, and we have a we have a wonderful team in general, our, our managers. Uh, but what I've, I've really enjoyed just the family nature of our business. Yeah, not just the my my niece and my sister, but really our company feels like a family. And so just being able to do that with with my niece Trisha, she's been really involved in the launch of Swirl as well. And so it's just something that's exciting, right? It just keeps everything fresh. And, and that is what we love doing at Noble Ice. We really like kind of pushing the boundaries and figuring out, you know, new and exciting things that we can do. So Angie, this canned sangria, can you tell me, like, I love White Claw. I mean, is this sort Sam of- Sam does love that White Claw, thing? that's true. I, who, I, who, doesn't <laughs> like, who doesn't love White Claw, right? <laughs> I mean, is are you going like after that younger market? Or yes. like, what is what is this? What's a canned sangria? So, so Should I know what this is? And is, no, is it made from your grapes also? Yes, this, oh, yeah. yes, this, this, this particular one is, it's, it's, it, it is literally sangria. We have our wine in three different flavors. There we have a red wine base, a white wine base, and a rosé wine base. And that is the base for those. And then we have put 100% real fruit. They're, they're different. Some are tropical. Some are, you know, berry. Uh, we've put them in there. And then 
there, it's a lightly spritzed, so it's a little bit sparkling, but really the makes can, me thirsty. We were recording yeah, this on Tuesday. Go. Is noon on a Tuesday too early to start having I a, a canned? Uh, <laughs> well, alcohol I need to, I need to get to it. It's five so. o'clock in Augusta. <laughs> but it's just it is very refreshing. It, it's not like White Claw in that it's a seltzer. It is a wine. So it's actually the can is equal to two glasses of wine. It's actually in a it looks like a can, a beer can, but it's actually slightly different. It's a half a bottle of wine in a can. It's 700 or 375 milliliters in a can. So it's two glasses of wine. It's sangria. It's it's just it's light. It's not necessarily sweet. It's light, refreshing, and it's really easy to drink. And of course, cans are huge right now. People are on yeah. the go. They're wanting to drink it at their picnic at the pool it's just i mean i imagine this in in the cooler you know at the lake right i mean this this is the type of thing you have in the cooler with the white claw with the beer and it's it's another option for folks who it's like you know it's like my my wife she loves wine i I could completely see her out of those three options choosing uh choosing the swirl yes well i hope she does that would be awesome we need to get you some but yeah that's exact that's what it is it is it is basically it is sangria in a can, and we've really tried to keep it very clean as far as how we how we formulated it. It there's no artificial flavoring. It is like I said, it's 100% real fruit that is mixed in with the wine. And where are you? Are these going to be sold around Missouri? Or are you still formulating that plan? So we are launching it at no. It'll be at just the tasting room in the beginning, and then we are starting to get some placements around the St. Louis area. And so this first launch is, is going to be a little bit more limited, and then we're hoping to expand in 2022 to a little bit broader market. Out of these three flavors, the rosé, the white, the red, which one's your favorite? The rosé, I think, is my favorite. Although I really like the I, white too. I think too. I agree with that. Yeah, I do love and the rosé. If I could. <laughs> vote here if you could just take my yes. opinion i think you should sell it at quick trip <laughs> oh that is where i would like to see that, uh, that uh, is mass distribution right there <laughs> quick trip i like oh, this that. sounds delicious yeah. I, I i like i like it too i uh well angie we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this product homegrown business in Augusta, this is family I think, newsworthy. Family business in Augusta, this is newsworthy, and I think folks in St. Charles, it's a fa- it's a community here. There, we have a lot of families that move to St. Charles County, and I think your story will resonate with these folks. And I, I'm so glad that you were able to talk with Noah. And, and Sam, I, I mean, we, I'm just going to say, yeah. it, you know, I, I'm I hope Mr. Hoffman is successful. I hope that this hundred million dollars goes a long way, and that Augusta grows like wildfire. But I'm happy Angie's staying independent. I'm happy there's still a. Uh, you know, a local Missouri family-owned winery that folks can go uh, spend some time and money on on the weekends. Well, you know what I have to say? I, I think what you guys are doing is great, bringing these kinds of stories to light for people. And we also really appreciate your support. You know, we just to hear our story and that you took the time to do that, we really appreciate it. Angie, we've got uh, on our, our podcast, we always do a segment our, called our Weekly Smile. And then once we do that, we'll ask uh, you where folks can find out more about you and all of that and where they can find you online. I, I want to start with Noah this week. Noah, what's on your mind? What's making you smile? Anything making you, you happy here on, on a Wednesday? Listen, Sam, uh, you know, so much so much can make me smile. I'm happy to be going into, uh, into Memorial Day. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic time. Uh, you know, I, my grandfather served in the uh, the armed the armed forces, and I uh, have so many friends doing that. And it's an amazing time to be thankful for where we are 
and especially this it's like we're really we get to celebrate a lot this summer last summer was kind of a bit of a lost summer but we get to be maskless and enjoying places and, and uh, drinking some wine out in augusta so i'm, I'm thankful for uh, for all the folks who uh who served our country thanks noah angie we'll go to you what's on your mind it can be happy it can be sad what's what's on your mind this week as we close out our show you know, I think that I have to echo Noah a little bit in just being able to be more freely with friends and family has just really been amazing. I think that we all took that a little bit for granted. And the fact that things are opening up relatively quickly, it feels, um, it really makes it's like you a snap. Reflect. It all started happening, you know, <laughs> it, it really did. And I think that, I think that you, you just can't forget that where, where things were and just appreciate the little things in life, right? Just being together. Honestly, that's what I've kind of been thinking about this week. I, I think that's wonderful, Angie. And I'll just close this out by saying I, I'm going to talk about Memorial Day as well. One of the things I like to to mention to folks is Memorial Day, we're honoring those men and women who have died whilst, while wearing the uniform. And Veterans Day is more about those, those folks that are serving currently or have served. That's a good point. Armed Forces Day. And uh, on this weekend, I, I want to take the time. I'm going to be at the O'Fallon uh, Memorial Day service there. I, ho- I hope that all of our friends listening can go to a, to a veteran or a Memorial Day service. And uh, they give us the opportunity to speak with people like Angie on this platform. Men and women went out and died so that we could be free here in the United States. And that's that's what I'm thinking about this weekend. But uh, Some of it makes Angie, you smile, Sam. That's great. <laughs> That's it. Angie, as we close out, where can people find out more about you? Yes, they can go to nobleicevineyards.com. We've got our events on there and how our website shows you how you can come and visit us and what we offer for lunch and and wine flights. So nobleicevineyards.com. Angie. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I encourage all of our listeners and readers to go out to Noblice this summer. Thanks, guys. I echo that 100%. Angie, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. You guys have a great week. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review wherever you listen. Tell a friend about us. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and our weekly newsletter, which is found at sccc.substack.com. That's sccc.substack.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, drop us an email at sccorrespondent at gmail.com. I'm Noah Brandt with Sam Safa, and until next time, thanks for listening to the St. Charles County Correspondent.